0: Love, Talk Radio. Good morning. This is the Lois J. Wetzel Show, and I am your host and executive producer, Lois Westville, coming to you live If you do that, you can rate my show, mark it as a favorite, or get reminders of upcoming shows. The call-in number is 347-945-5309. You can telephone to listen to the show, or you can call us via Skype, or you can listen on your computer. I also want to remind you that I offer a free email newsletter about metaphysics, spirituality, the coming changes, and all the kinds of things that we talk about here on this show. And I've been sending that out for free for at least 12 years now. To sign up for that, you would go to hotpinklotus.com. And I don't share email addresses with anyone, neither does Blog Talk Radio. This morning, we've got a very interesting show for you with Dr. Craig Martin, author of the new book, Elemental Love Styles, Finding Compatibility and Creating a Lasting Relationship. Dr. Craig says that relationships fail because people don't know what they need. In his insightful book, he provides a new, simple, concise method for identifying your deeper needs in a relationship and understanding how people love in different ways. He uses the four natural elements to represent the human personality styles, fire for the creative and enthusiastic, air for communicative and social, water for emotional and intuitive, and earth for practical and grounded. And he provides a system to help people in relationships have a structured way of viewing themselves and their partners and give single people tools to understand what they should look for in a partner. Let's open the line to Dr. Craig now. Hello, Dr. Craig.
1: Good morning, Lois. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: Good. Everything is great out here in California.
0: Wow, so you're up even two hours earlier than I.
1: Uh, Yeah, I guess you said you're in Texas.
0: Yeah, Houston. Mm -hmm. Uh So there are, um, I want to make note for people who may already be wondering this, there are many different versions of what the elements are. Like in Chinese right. medicine, there are five elements, and they, they right. add the ones we already use, metal. But you're going with the one that kind of co- uh, coincides with Western astrology, right?
1: Correct, or or just Western mysticism in general or Western Western theology. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Eastern did develop a completely different path, and I certainly recognize them in... Um, you know my understanding of uh, the metaphysical world but i think a long time ago uh, many years ago i um i made a real decision to say we're a part of western culture and our uh, lineage and ancestry was developed around what's called the western way the western mystical path um and uh, so i stuck with that pretty much and even when the uh, the book publisher um the editor, my editor, asked me, you know, would you like to include, um, you know, any comments about Eastern? I, I said, no, not really. I don't, I don't think that that's necessary to to really even get into because um, my readers are mostly going to be Western cultural people, and so they understand the four elements from Western culture.
0: That makes perfect sense to me. And the other thing I would like to inject in here is that whenever you're studying anything or creating a system, you just have to pick a path and stick with it. It's the people who jump around all over the place trying to incorporate everything that's ever been thought of about a subject that wind up with sort of a tangled mess. So kind yeah, of I mean, I, I guess
1: maybe I'm not that much of an air type.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Got me, didn't you? <laughs> I'm predominantly air. <laughs>
1: Well, there's nothing wrong with air. I know. It's the most inquisitive. (laughs) Um, It's just that air is most likely to include all kinds of forms of thought because they want to really get at the truth.
0: That's that nails it. Mm -hmm. Truth is the biggie for me. Yeah. So why don't you explain to people how this relates to love? These four elements.
1: Uh, Okay. Well. My uh you know my beginnings are to see that 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 the elements connect with our health um, they connect with our um our living in the natural environment, our health meaning you know like we have a temperature and we breathe air and we can have shortness of breath or you know we have water in our body, but we can be. Dehydrated. You know, our health is based on a balance of the elements. The natural environment we live in um, certainly is made up of, you know, the sun and the air and the water. So we have the natural elements just in the world that we live in. And I realized that <clears throat> it would not be really very much of a big jump to say that the natural elements also are a reflection of human personality. And certainly an enormous part of Human personality is the way in which we love as individuals. I think that was really one of the big insights that I had personally um that caused me to think about writing the book was that people love in different ways we don't We don't have a standard way of loving, and even though most people like to view the world through their own eyes and saying, you know, oh, well, I do this in love. You know, I give lots of sweet little cards and roses and this and that. How come you're not doing that? You must not love me. And really, the other person would say, well, no, I wash the dishes for you. I clean the house. I built you a little garden box, window box. I, you know, balance our checkbook. That's love for me. And when I really thought about that, I I felt that that was profound because, again, from from an individual's point of view, um, we don't really necessarily recognize that. We don't necessarily appreciate the way in which people are loving, uh, the way in which they're expressing. And that's because we all have different personalities. So I set out to simplify um, how... Human personality was constructed so that the lay person, you know, the person that's not a psychologist, it's not a medical doctor, could begin to have uh, a basic understanding of something that normally is quite complicated, like the field of psychology or, uh, you know, intuition or self-reflection. These things often get clouded in in so much uh, jargon or scientific data or you know, scientific explanation that I felt that people couldn't really, uh, wouldn't necessarily know where to begin taking a look at themselves and the way they love.
0: And so then you turned to these different elements and created a structure that made it all make more sense to you. So, if, for example, you were to take, um, say, the person who is mostly the air sign, right. how do those people show love and how do they need to have love demonstrated to them?
1: Right. Well, based on our personality, it ends up that um, we all have a deeper need for love. And we're not talking about neediness, we're talking about what is it that we most deeply need for love in our lives the way that it's expressed and i did i did realize that actually from a priest who was in my private practice and um I was talking to him once about, you know, love, the concept of love, and why a certain relationship was not working out for me, even though it had all of the classic um, ingredients of, of, of attraction, and um, you know, sort of, um, sort of a, an attraction, and, and and almost like a compulsion to be with somebody. But that was neediness And he said to me Well, perhaps it doesn't really meet your deeper needs for love And it was such a profound thing For somebody to, you know, have said to me At that time in my life Because I thought, what does that mean? You know, we what, what deeper needs, you know And I had to go off And I'm very self-reflective I had to go off and say to myself Deeper needs for love, wow, okay So in answering your question Somebody who's predominantly air They express their personality from that intellectual place they're intellectually curious they are good with language they want to learn a lot of information and they're exploring for the truth the truth as a part of the like a human intellectual quest and um that gives them actually a deeper need for space and freedom in other words freedom of thought they they need a kind of classic liberation of the mind and so in love the air style person is going to need someone to give them that it's a deeper need though it's not a neediness it's not like they're needy for that they just really need that in order to feel comfortable in their own personality so that 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 those needs for space, the space to be able to say, you know what, something's come up, I see that there's a museum exhibit tonight and I've got to go to that, honey, sorry, I'm not going to be coming home, or right now, I won't, I'll see you later, or, um, you know, freedom of thought, I'm reading something that you disagree with, Um, I really need to be able to disagree with you on that because it interests me to learn about all models and all ways of thinking. And that would be what, the airstyle person needs from their partner if they don't get that if somebody is very encroaching or um uh, overbearing Possessive Demanding uh, Overly Emotionally Heavy Restrictive Especially Restrictive Then the air style Person is going To default To a not nice Part of their Personality Which includes Being dismissive And insensitive And scattered And unavailable And that's what Air people Will customarily Not everyone I mean people Obviously you and I Could get into a deeper Conversation about How different people Um Manage and overcome the darker side of their personality, but air style people will almost inevitably if they feel restricted um want to escape from that they won't they won't co participate in that they will just whew, disappear so um that's your air example
0: excellent and so you could actually be say as I am. Uh, have the sun in an earth sign and moon in a water sign, but a predominant a predominance of air planets in the chart overall uh-huh. and completely seem to be different in terms of your deeper needs than would be obvious to the average person just knowing a minimal amount about astrology. Of
1: astrology, right. And that's why I wrote the book to be not an astrology book. And and even though you might think that it's sort of an interesting take on an astrological approach, it's not about astrological sun signs. Uh-huh. Um, it... Um, it, Our collective uh, Elemental expression Who we are as individuals That primary way that we're going to come across In the world um, Yes, of course it's based on astrology But it's based on the full chart So for you who knows your chart Lois, obviously You're mentioning it Or for any of your listeners who know their charts You can figure out your elemental type from your chart If you do a much deeper exploration Of not only what signs the planets are in but what houses they're in because the air houses are you know the third, the seventh and the 11th And if you happened to have a lot of planets In those houses It really wouldn't matter what signs they were in Part of the expression would be in air So um, most people don't really know their chart though And I felt that um, you know, Really getting people to understand that You can learn an enormous amount About who you are and what you need And how to have a better you know, love relationship with somebody If you just knew this little piece of information What's your elemental style? You know, What's that predominant dominant, default way that you operate in the world, and so I did write a quiz. Um, Chapter two of the book is a um, short little quiz, very fun, not complicated, easy to answer, and at the end, you find out your elemental style. Um, That's one way. I also feel like people are are self-reflective enough. That when we describe the four elemental styles, that they have some idea of who they are. Remember, when I was writing the book, I went in, I was sitting down with a guy, uh, at, at, at a, at a uh, like a banker, was doing some banking, and he's like, "Hey, how are you?" Very friendly guy, and I'm like, "Good, I'm good, I'm you know almost finished with my book," and he's like, "Tell me about it." So I gave him a little rundown about the four elements, and he was, and he said right back um oh i'm definitely earth it's all about the numbers i guess i'm in the right profession he said i'm very serious and i'm very ordered and i have to have everything in in line and 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 i and i you know and he wasn't a virgo you know so but he knew by self reflection that his style was earthy that he needed a lot of order and reliability, and that he, in that, based on what I described as the other three, he knew. So I think that there are a lot of people who can um, self-reflect on their style in general, and then learn more deeply, you know, about who they are after they have that basic information.
0: So they don't need to know anything at all about astrology, and then what their astrology is doesn't really matter a whole lot as long as they take the quiz in the second chapter.
1: Correct.
0: Excellent. So um, what else would you like to tell us about the book? Can you describe the other three types for us, or what else would you like us to know next?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about them a little bit. Um, you know, I can tell you that I'm a fire style. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a lot of water in my own personal chart, and um, that I know that because I have a lot of planets. Even though I'm a Scorpio, I have a lot of planets in the first house, which is the natural house of Aries, and I also have Leo at the midheaven. So there's a lot of fire, predominantly placed in my uh, my my social projection, the way I come across with people. And fire sale people have a lot of ideas because fire rules creativity and passion and um enthusiasm. It's a part of it's a part of the um uh, you know the personality function that makes us that gives us a drive gives us ambition that comes from fire. And so fire style people are ambitious, and they have a lot of creativity. They like to get a lot of things done. They can very much be sort of the life of the party because there's a kind of endless creativity about them. And they're very passionate. They stimulate people to be motivated and enthusiastic about not only the things that they come up with. They can get attached to other projects, and certainly there's a lot of charity in fire style people um the deeper needs are really to be um appreciated for what it is that they contribute they definitely fire cell people want to be praised and recognized like we all do but they have a more more of a you know it's more of an exaggerated as fire people often are exaggerated so it's more of an exaggerated kind of thing for them that they that they that they are praised and recognized and um there's a there's a certain kind of benevolence in their personality but the darker side of it would be that they can become pushy and demanding and overbearing if they're not getting the recognition and praise that they think they deserve that then they'll go to that dark quality um you know, we all we all know fire style people because they often show up in the media and a lot of them can be very brash and outspoken. We think of them a lot of the times as very egotistical. And I think that um when we when we talk in the book about um inner growth um, really knowing part, part of what I feel like um, uh, I'm teaching is not just, oh, I'm a fire style, I'm an air style. The, the much deeper concept behind the, the book and my work is that when you know that, then you know fully who you are and what you bring to the table. And, um, Lois, that's why we talk about um, sort of the darker side, the shadow side, and it's always worth, uh, I think, a really good um, taking a look at what is it that we as individuals are bringing, bringing to the table in a relationship if we can't really be accountable for you know our complete personality then how are we going to be able to work it out in a relationship with another person so it's possibly we can you know explore that a little bit that's about to me that's about intimacy but i'll finish the elements for you
0: um is that good yeah that's good i like that
1: yeah so the, the, the water-style person is the imaginative, you know, good shoulder to cry on, emotional, sensitive, perceptive, intuitive. We know the watery-style person. They're very artistic. They can also be very sort of home-bodied because they, they love sentiment and, and ritual. And, um, but they're also the artists because they have a lot of um, in, imaginative creativity that flows through them. They, their deeper needs are actually to be validated and understood. I think Water Style people often find that you know they get dismissed, and they don't really need anybody to fix them. They just need to, they just need somebody to say, "I get it." You know, this is really making you upset. This is really making you sad. You know, two different two people could have a, like let's say an argument with their mother on the telephone, turn around in their relationship and have two completely different reactions, right? One person could be emotionally overwhelmed by the experience and need to really talk about it. That person doesn't necessarily need to solve it. They just need somebody to say, Yeah, I understand. Not in a trait way, but to really understand why it is that they're feeling emotionally upset. So validation is uh, the the water the water deeper deeper need of water um understanding of their emotional reality and then validation of their feelings the um what happens for them when those needs aren't met is that then they can become manipulative, so in order to gain some kind of emotional understanding, they can become manipulative grudge holding guilt producing all kinds of things that water style people do in order to get their emotional needs met um but you know they have the best shoulder to cry on and they make great listeners so i love having watery friends um let's see earth right Mm -hmm. earth people are the the movers the you know they're the ones that get things done uh they 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 produce the final product and without the earth the earth element uh... in nature and without the earth element in our personality nothing would ever get produced um, it would all just be ideas and talk and feelings. And so Earth actually is the bottom line, uh, the end product, and they're the ones that make something happen. So, you know, a fire-style person could have a great idea. Oh, let's go outside and, you know, make a make a, a vegetable garden. Or a fire-style person could wake up and say, let's make a pineapple upside-down cake, you know. But it would never happen. You'd never actually end up with, Uh, you know, the cake in the end, if earth didn't kick in and actually, you know, get the ingredients, put them in the mixing bowl, mix them, bake it, cut it out of the pan, and then clean up the mess. Uh, So earth Earth is the, the drive we have to actually produce. And as a result, Earth needs a lot of reliability and structure and dependability, and they have certain kinds of rules that they feel need to be followed in order to get an end product, to end up with a tangible result. That's what Earth's um, uh, function is. And so their deeper needs are for that kind of reliability and structure. And what happens is that they, they they can become rigid and rule-following, and narrow, and strict, and petulant, and all of those things that an Earth-style, stubborn, right? An Earth-style person can become that way if they don't feel like their particular way of seeing something get produced tangibly is possible. Um, And yet, uh, again, the positive side of them is that, you know, if you want to go down to the beach and you bring an earth style person you can be certain that in their bag will be the suntan lotion the bottle of water the sunscreen and all of the things that you're actually going to need when you get there so that you don't burn and dehydrate yourself
0: how does the world get by without earth people i mean i just it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> and so when they get nasty is when someone gets in the way of their getting it done Yeah, or if they feel
1: like someone's unreliable because in their way of getting it done, if you have a meeting with them at 9 a.m. and then you show up late, that's getting in the way of them getting it done. Uh So there's a a bit of inflexibility sometimes with Earth because they have a sense of order. And people that don't also respect and have that sense of order and reliability, um, that's where their buttons really start getting pushed, you know. Um, if, you know, yeah, exactly, exactly what you said.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, um, I find I resonate with a lot of those, Uh-huh. which is interesting because I've got almost equal amounts of...
1: Well, I uh, would be happy birds, to take water, a look at your chart if you like. Oh. We could talk, well, I would be happy to.
2: Oh, My pleasure.
1: Okay. And also wanted okay. to let you and your callers know that... Um, because I've been invited on your blog talk show, um, anyone who'd like to do personal reading or personal work with me, I'm offering $50 off until the end of the year because they're a the listener to your show.
0: So well, they come just in need to we'll, mention the show, that's all?
1: That's all they need to do is mention the show.
0: Cool. Thank you. That's You're very welcome. That's you.
1: Um, so go ahead and tell me your birth date, if you can. <laughs>
0: Oh, we don't have to do that on the air. I've got too much Scorpio in my chart to be comfortable with that. Do you? Okay. <laughs> I do. Um Um but um you there was something You were gonna tell
1: me a little bit about a little bit about your chart. You you said that you were what sign?
0: Uh, I'm a an a Virgo with the moon and Scorpio. But I've got four planets.
1: Oh uh, with the Moon and Scorpio.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I've got a predominance of air planets in the chart when you look at all of them, so I'm probably just is, a Gemini. Is, Lib- yeah.
1: is it Gemini? What? The air.
0: Oh, the air. Mm. No, Libra and, um, let's see, what else is in air? I've got Mercury and um, Neptune conjunct in Libra. I have one thing, Uranus and Gemini, which is, um, no, I can't remember. Four planets in the eighth house, though, which makes me probably more water than anything else, don't you think? Correct,
1: because then you just said that Scorpio element. And, again, I have five planets in Scorpio, so I totally understand not only the privacy um, of that, but the, um, you know, the... Um, that, yeah, it's it's a very brooding kind of energy, you know. That's very don't let everybody
0: and, see. Don't let everybody see. Yeah, I think I think part <laughs> of the karmic
1: judge. mission, though. I think part of the karmic mission for Scorpio is to, and, and Scorpio energy in eighth house is to be able to overcome that. In other words, they that trust becomes, um, I think, a really an integral part of of of. of what the Scorpio's mission is because it's about sharing. It's about it's about it's about sharing and shared information. Mm-hmm.
0: So that's one of the lessons. If you have a lot in I think
1: so. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I agree. I think so too. And um, so, but there was something else we were going to talk about.
1: We were going to oh, talk about um, intimacy and um inner growth which is which is caused by which is what cause, which causes which intimacy causes uh, intimacy causes us to take a look at ourselves and that's why it's so important to have a little bit of um you know, insight into you know who we are and what and and what we're made up of and and what we're bringing to the table. Because when we can do that, then we are able to do the task of intimacy uh, all the more effectively.
0: So then, each of the four elements would have different ways of doing that, right?
1: Uh, yes. Each of the four elements would have a different way of doing the intimacy, but there is a similar path, and the similar path has to do with that regardless of our personality type, in relationships with someone else, we're going to have to see who we are completely and fully. We're going to have to, you know, really uh, reveal who we are. And... um and so that's a fundamental thing that happens to all of us. And the um and the um the path to self-reflecting, yes, is done differently by each by each elemental type, and yet it's still self-reflection. And so one of the things that I talk about in the book is that um developing an accountable inner voice where we're really taking a look at who we are and what what our part might be in a relationship conflict you know i think I wrote the book, and sometimes people think that it's very good for people who are already married. Um, because, and I have had a lot of people who are, you know, in relationships write me and make comments about the book in a, in a positive way and saying, wow, this really deepened my relationship with my wife or or my husband, because we had an opportunity to see ourselves a little bit more and how we affect each other. And I and I see that. It's in, very interesting how I didn't initially set out to write the book for, you know, married people. I set it out mostly to write the book for people who are single and how it became, because of the intimacy thing in there, very beneficial for married couples. <clears throat> but I wanted to say that people who are single need to wrap their head around the idea that, you know, this is a part of what you're going to have to do in a relationship. I think I think a lot of people, and this is what I encounter in my private practice, a lot of people believe that they're going to meet someone and that that relationship is going to just generate happiness for them, and um, that they're not really going to have to do the work. And you know, when when and when um, when we talk about relationships and socially no matter who you talk about, especially if they're married or in a relationship, they will inevitably say to you, it's a lot of work. You know, we do a lot of work. We're constantly working on ourselves in our relationship. And I feel like for a lot of single people, that work is a mystery. That work is something that they haven't yet really wrapped their head around being, you know, what it is that they're going to be able to have to do. And for me, that work is the work of intimacy and inner growth. You're going to be in close proximity with someone. You're going to find out fully who they are. They're going to find out fully who you are. And then what do we have to do to actually get along with each other? It's a really big part of a relationship.
0: That's profound, and I agree with you completely. So with that in mind, can we just tell people right now, and we'll tell them again later, where do they go to get your book?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh my book is available in all the major bookstores and in my travels I've seen it in places like Lubbock, Texas, so I know that it's national. And um and it's also available on amazon.com. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, but
0: but you don't have a website that you sell it off of. You you want
2: people to No, going...
1: I don't because if... it's been published by Simon and Schuster. And mm-hmm. um so it's made, you know, it's majorly distributed by them. It's not it's not I'm not I don't have it self published and so it wouldn't really um benefit you. Yeah, in any way for me to sell it yeah. personally. I don't I don't have to do that. They're selling it for me.
0: Cool. So Barnes and Noble or Barnes and Galton, Noble, or Borders, Borders,
1: Walden, yes, you name it, it's there. Or
0: Amazon.
1: Very or Amazon.
0: Good. Excellent. And if they want to make an appointment with you, they would go to
1: what yes, I have two websites, really. One's about my vision statement. That's drcraig.com, and you can make an appointment through there. But if you really want to know about my astrology work and readings, um, there, I have a website called LA Healer because I'm in Los Angeles, and that's LAhealer.com.
0: Okay. So it's either drcraig.com or LAhealer.com. Okay. Great. Excellent. So we were going to talk about. Well, let's open the line up to my pal and co-host Becky. Absolutely. Who I see if she she doesn't have. To, I don't think she's got any Scorpio in her chart. <laughs> she might let us use hers as an example. Let's open up. Hey you're, Becky, you
1: you're come? sweet. Lois, is your birthday <laughs> is your birthday September 18th or 19th? 17th. 17th. Yeah. Okay.
2: So Becky Who do, who do we have? Yeah. Becky? Hi.
0: Becky. Yeah, she's in Atlanta. Becky's got a lot of fire in her chart, I think. Right? Oh
2: yes. Can we look at your fire chart? Fire and earth. Pardon me? Can we look at your chart? Oh the, I I would be honored. Okay. Where
1: we go. So what's your birth date?
2: August fourth, nineteen fifty seven.
1: Oh eight oh four, nineteen fifty seven. Uh, do you know the time, Becky?
2: Yes. Well, on my certificate was eight AM. I think back in the day they might have rounded things off, but um that's it's
1: fine. They wouldn't have rounded it off too much. In other words, if it was it would had to have been fairly close. I would think um, so. Yeah, it wouldn't have been like nine AM and they wrote eight AM. And and what was your birthplace?
2: Um, Columbus, Ohio.
1: There you go. Got it. The beauty of astrological software Is that it doesn't take (laughs) me all day To cast someone's chart It's instant and voila There it is, Becky So um, Leo uh, Strong Leo, absolutely Uh, Leo uh, Mars in Leo, Pluto in Leo And then three planets also in Virgo And Moon And Saturn in Sagittarius So yes, in fact, you do have a lot of fire in your chart And your chart is uh, Pretty light on water Although you have your Moon's north node in Scorpio But here's the caveat On that About water Is that because you're born In the early morning You have a lot of planets In the twelfth house And the twelfth house Is the natural house Of Pisces And so There's a certain Kind of selflessness That you have about you A giving A sacrificing nature That I think you would Often feel Um you know, is partly a detriment to the fact that you have four planets in Leo. You like a a lot more personal attention for yourself, and yet... With Virgo rising and Mercury in Virgo, which would be your ruler, in the 12th house with Pluto and Mars and the Sun all in the 12th. There's the, 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 the mission really is that if any amount of personal attention does come your way because of your Leo and fiery personality, you're often wanting to share it with people who are not you know as as uh, fortunate as you or who are more needy than you and you could develop um and you know a reputation for being a very good intuitive counselor um you know healer doctor um, artist, even because the twelfth house is very connected with art, actual fine art and the production of art. So, we'll be interested to know, I would be interested to know if you have any inclination to do art and if you've explored that. Because the South Node for you is in Taurus in the ninth house, and I see a collection of. Um, uh, Religious items Religious iconography I would be kind of surprised if you didn't have Lots of little possessions That are very tangible and representative Not only of your travels And cross-cultural experiences But of your spiritual beliefs And then having... Moon's North Node and Scorpio in the third This becomes sort of your, your Karmic mission Your destiny point is the Moon's North Node It's about communication But it's in water So it's a bit, again, somewhat either about The production of art or Some kind of, if you write It's very poetic um, Very uh, deep, very romantic There's, there's a, a highly and Strongly romanticized Nature about you Even though you're in your head a lot <laughs> Yeah. You know, even though like there's Earth, Earth, Earth and you have Venus and Earth and you have Virgo rising and so you're very practical also, very tangible and very um perfectionistic. Those things that all of that perfectionism and, and tangible earthy has to yield I think um a, a lot to the the twelfth house because it's a very strong mission to have the compassionate nature of the twelfth house is is gonna override a lot of you know your desire to have everything in order all the time. Just one other little thing down here about the moon and Sagittarius conjunct Saturn and Sagittarius where spirituality um it's not always easy for you. It's not It's a. It's something very serious for you, but it isn't always the easiest thing. I don't know because of your if your you know actual birth time. If you moved around a lot, if you lived in a foreign country, if one of your parents was from you know a foreign background. Saturn and Sag in the fourth, um, or that you know there was a strong. Uh, Cultural influence uh, in, in the way that you grew up—that might have been very restrictive for you. Trying to explore um, spirituality, that—that—that that, that there might have been some kind of an inhibition right there, coming from uh, family of origin with Saturn in the fourth house. Um, how am I doing?
2: Awesome! Oh, You're hitting good. a lot of things like dead, dead on. Many things, and as that's far great. as the fine art i the longest job I ever held was in an art museum, so I find uh-huh. that pretty interesting Uh-oh. and I quilt that's about my fine art,
0: so yeah, but that's
2: I enjoy beautiful. yeah, it's I enjoy tangible. the creativity and the textures and all of that, so I like functional art,
1: yeah, it's very tangible, you know that's what I said about your the tangibility of the um of of not only the Virgo in your chart, where gives, that gives you that gives you the patience and the meticulous attention to detail that something like quilting mm-hmm. would require. But it becomes tangible, and I'm sure that, in some way, that that, that, that that act of producing them is something very spiritual for you. Like, spirit moves through you, you know, in the production of all art, whether we're writing, playing the piano, uh, quilting, or whatever, as we get into it and we lose our own mind in that process, then the third mind comes in, and we realize we could look down and we could say, did I play that? Did I write that? Did I quilt that? Because something moves through us, that, that when we get out of our way, when we become proficient enough in art, and you actually have a very strong gift for producing tangible items, like something that's what I mean, like a "like a quilt, um, that's actually moved through you by spirit, you know, that's very beautiful.
2: Interesting Thank you very much You're
1: welcome I mean, I can look at your chart, too As you know, beyond doing a natal reading like that There's the, you know, predicting Astrology is mm-hmm. Astrology, We not, We. I like to say that there's a certain harmonic About your chart I have your chart Um uh you know, open in front of me on my computer screen, and it represents to me a certain kind of a harmonic, an energy that you uh embody that that you resonate and the 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 time right now um two thousand ten and November has its own harmonic and how is the the harmonic of now or you know right around now let's say influencing the 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 energy that you represent that's to me what astrological prediction is about it's not fortune telling it's comparison of influence and um because it doesn't necessarily mean that that um anything specific will happen it just talks about potential um one of the things that jumps right out at me is that you have neptune uh in opposition to mars and pluto <clears throat> so that's also in your Sixth house let would say a little something maybe About health and you know How's your health and are you watching your health But beyond that beyond beyond The question of health And, and how's your health and are you taking care of it And are you you know do you have your Your, your health uh, Routine down to A science with all that Virgo oh, That's sweet it's, you should Um if, if there's somebody in your life that you're getting involved in in some way on some kind of a project at work or in something tangible you want to pay attention to their their commitment to their integrity in 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 the um in the 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 adventure Because if you've noticed lately that you suspect that somebody might not be telling you the full story or that something it, you know they don't have to even be intentional it's not necessarily about betrayal um what i'm what i'm talking about what i'm seeing it's just that neptune especially when it contacts mars has a way of just sort of dissolving the ego and a lot of times people under this particular transit get involved in something that they have they're very hopeful for the ego is attached to it they would really love to see it come to fruition but what happens is is that they attract in energies where it doesn't really turn out the way that they might like for it to because the lesson is all about why was your ego attached to that and was it attached in an unhealthy way So um, is that making any sense to you? Are you involved Um, in anything?
2: um, Yes and no. I have things dancing around the fringes. I have some big decisions to make Uh um, that will change, you know, the direction I'm heading, like 90 degrees. Like I just Uh turn left and off I go. So um, it's interesting to get the ego out of the way to to try not to become too attached or try to... Um, read into what's actually being offered what's, Correct you know, Yeah, that's that's really good advice
1: That is so, yeah, the this- best way That is the best way To make this particular transit And it continues for um, Most of 011 But you're really in it right now Because Neptune's definitely contacted Your Mars is at 27 degrees Leo And Neptune's definitely been at 27 degrees Aquarius that's an opposition is the aspect. And um, the um, you know, I th- I think what can happen is that in opposition especially you can make the you can make the positive part of that happen. It's much easier than a square, where most, almost all the time it would really end up being about disappointment and disillusionment. This could have something disillusioning about it, but the positive side of it is that if you do keep the ego out of it, and you do scrutinize what's being offered the best that you can, and you go in with a realistic expectation, that then something very ideal and very hopeful could actually emerge for you. But it has to be very pure. The intentions have to be very... Um, from a very clean, pure place Where Neptune will definitely dissolve That's its function and If it sees that something is puffed up About, you know, your attachment to it And what this is going to do for you um, Especially because it's Leo You know, your Mars is in Leo <laughs> um, wow. Then it will take that right down hmm.
2: very interesting.
1: Uh, Other than Other than that, I mean, your chart is good You know, your chart is very good You have, um, you have. Uranus and Jupiter going into the eighth house. It should be easy for you to gain capital, um, get a loan, have money, uh, positive negotiations in all fronts with that, with mortgages, land holdings, jointly held bank accounts. Um, Yeah. Wow, thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: And so, in her chart, there's a predominance of a particular sign. Uh,
1: there's a predominance of
2: a of fire, Ella.
1: right? She has four, five, four, five, six planets in fire. And then, interestingly enough, she does have Venus and Jupiter, even though they're in Virgo. They're in the first house, which makes her very alpha female. Uh, alpha female meaning you know, she's got even with Virgo, which can make people very shy, and even with all of those things in the twelfth house, um, Becky 's really very much of a take charge girl she has a lot of ideas, and she 'd like to make them happen the, the The nice thing really is that all of that water and and uh, you know helps make it so that she 's not just serving herself that it 's not right. just in the service to her own ego. She Um, is very, very good
0: at doing that for others.
1: Yeah, most of her actions are, um, yeah, directed towards compassionate, empathetic.
0: Yeah. Mm, There
2: you go, Becky. I appreciate you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Really resonated. Thank you.
1: I love reading charts. It's an honor.
0: Mm. Okay. Well, let's see. We've got about 12 more minutes. What what else would you like to talk about?
1: (laughs) Oh, there's so much I can talk about. Besides you, besides your chart, you're not ready for me to read your chart?
0: Yes, I'll (laughs) let you read my chart. Um,
1: So what I was thinking is, do you have Aquarius rising?
0: How did you know that? I do. Uh, You don't have to
1: tell me your birth information. I know it. You know that, right, that I figured it out, see, and preserved your your anonymity. So all you need to do is tell me your birth time. Is it like 3.30? 3.50 in the
0: afternoon. there you go, see.
1: How did I know that? Because I'm the astrologer. I don't
0: know, because you don't know the year.
1: No, I do know the year.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, I do know the year. You um, You have Sun and Venus and Virgo. Uh, Mercury yep. conjunct Neptune in Libra in the eighth house, Moon in Scorpio in the ninth, Jupiter in Scorpio in the tenth, Aquarius rising, Mars in Cancer. Is that right?
0: Yep. Okay, great. That's right.
1: So um, it's it's it, it's it's interesting that you do have a lot of water. You know, you say that you're aligned with with air because Uranus in Gemini and um and um
2: and Neptune
1: and Neptune and and Mercury in Libra. But um, but and and Aquarius rising, you're right. I see that also. So that is, that is a lot of air. they ends up being a grand trine in air, and 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 also then right, your ruler, the ruler of Aquarius would be Uranus, and you have Uranus in Gemini. Okay, so yes, I'll going and give you that for sure. There's a lot of air and air influence, making you communicative, curious. Uranus and Gemini in the fifth certainly makes you that leader. You want to be, you know, a, a leader because the fifth house is the house of Leo. So you want to be put out there and you want to have uh, a a platform, a stage for you to be able to communicate your ideas. That would be Gemini in the fifth. And, but Uranus, what's interesting about the fact that you do a sort of, uh, you do a very interesting, I, I, I really liked reading, one of the reasons that I had, contacted you about your show was that I love the shamanistic aspect. You know that in my life I've been a healer, um a chiropractor and a homeopath and stuff, and that I see um this strong I uh, you need something different, something eclectic, the something unusual, something inventive. You have to be able to convey something that's out of the ordinary. You want to communicate ideas that are not yet located in the mainstream. So it makes you very cutting edge. And that... Uranus and Gemini in the fifth, which makes you the cutting-edge communicator, okay? With all these planets in the eighth, you have four planets in the eighth, and Scorpio at the midheaven, you want the truth. That's where the truth for you comes from, is not so much from the air, but in Scorpio's intuition that wants to dig down deep into the underlying meaning. It's an emotional exploration for you. Very fascinating. Now, one of the things in your chart that's a a square is that you have that Uranian energy in Gemini square to the Virgo. You have Uranus in Gemini at 26 degrees. You have Sun and Venus at 24 and 28. That Uranus is square to a principal part in your chart that, you know, Virgo. We love our Virgos, but, boy, they can be nitpicky. And Gemini in you wants... It wants to break free of that need to scrutinize something to death. So when when you encounter that in yourself, and I'm sure you have, because you know you're 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 you've already had enough life experiences to realize that you need to integrate your uh, meticulous search for the truth with that Uranian need for just a. Uh, like pure content, what is it? What is it? What's the information that's coming at me? I'll think about it later. I'll pick it apart later. I just want to gather the information, and I think in your chart because because Uranus is actually what we call afflicted it doesn't it isn't making the easiest aspects to your chart um because again it's it's square to the sun. Um, it it makes you very inventive on the positive side, but it makes you impulsive. And I would think that the Virgo might impulsively want to send the baby out with the wash water, and the Uranian side with you would be like, no, no, we can't do that. We have to examine everything. We can't just look at something and then say, no, that's not the way that that's going to go. All of that eighth house in Scorpio, Lois, is a very deep emotional. Um, path for really, ex- it, it, it really is. Scorpio is really about exploring intimacy with others. How is it that we get to know each other at that very deep and personal level? And can I trust that you're going to, um, you know, live up to what it is that you say you are on and the, the good and the bad side? Scorpio does not like being surprised.
0: Hmm. Well, so far you're pretty much nailing it.
1: I like I like also Mars and Cancer, you know. That that you don't talk about hardly at all when you gave me your when you gave me your your planetary um
0: You like information. That, huh?
1: I like it because <laughs> okay. it gi- it gives you a real nurturing quality in a chart that might otherwise be very airy. So yeah, I see your chart as being very much water and air very good combination I like that combination even with the earth in you right which gives you that meticulousness you're going to be very empathic and very nurturing and protective and understanding and deeply emotional and very sensitive and intuitive that's the first thing when I look at your chart I don't see the air at first that's not what really comes out because it's Scorpio at the midheaven Jupiter and Scorpio at the midheaven, you know. You are working as a healer to change people, and that doesn't come through the air. That comes through massive intuition that you have and capacity for transforming lives.
0: That's kind of what I do. I'm, yeah. I'm working for about 20 years as a healer watching people transform, and that's mm-hmm. what brings me joy.
1: It's it. Yeah, I can understand that. So um, I would hope you own your own home and uh, and all of those things, because you definitely have something about home, family of origin. Your moon's north node is in Taurus, which is very interesting to me, because we just talked with Becky, and her moon's north node was in Scorpio. So you and Becky, if you know each other as friends at all... Um, have uh, what we what we call opposing destinies, not meaning you know like fighting opposing, but where she's coming from is where you're headed to, and where you're coming from is where she's headed to. She's learning about the Scorpio intuition, and you're learning about the uh, the accumulation of wealth and tangible property, and the way in which that can manifest as a point of nostalgia and comfort for you. You, you've spent many lifetimes being an investigator, a detective, you know, somebody who's been digging for the truth for many, many lifetimes. Um, she's embarking on that path, so you're a teacher for that for her. But in the reverse path, she's somebody who's mastered the, uh, the understanding of the physical plane, and, and you're very much coming into that in this lifetime.
0: That's interesting because I have two adult young adult sons and they both have North Node and Scorpio. Huh? Interesting, huh?
1: How we guide. Isn't
0: that yeah. fascinating?
1: Absolutely. Anyway, thanks for letting me look at your chart. I hope it wasn't too invasive for me to go no. and find out your to go and find out your birthday. <laughs> That's
0: okay. No, (laughs) She's going to
1: forgive me because because I have five planets in Scorpio and I would understand if somebody did that to me
0: You couldn't possibly have allowed that to pass without looking it up with all that Scorpio now,
2: could you?
1: Correct, exactly (laughs) Exactly. I was like, really? You're really going to challenge me like that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was just being shy Well,
1: your moon in Scorpio is conjunct my Venus so that's really sweet too. Yeah. yeah, and your Jupiter is conjunct my Sun.
0: Really? So,
1: yeah. So, you so those born are very November
0: good. The 18th? Say again, huh? You were born November the eighteenth.
1: November fifteenth.
0: Hmm, I was close, huh?
1: November fifteenth. I have um, I have the I have the Moon in in Aquarius. So that's also hmm. interesting for for you and me as far as you know a certain kind of Aquarius Scorpio compatibility. But I have hmm. Scorpio rising, and I have Moon hmm. and Aquarius in the fourth house.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Very very interesting. Yeah. Very I love
1: astrology, and apparently you know a lot about it. So it's been really a pleasure talking with you about it and Thank reading you. for you and and Becky. I just know
0: enough to be dangerous, Craig. I just figured that out a few years back. <laughs> No, just enough. No,
1: dangerous. I think you're saying that in the sweetest way. Dangerous, meaning that you know it gives you another level of insight, and and people people always feel vulnerable when somebody can um, really look into us and tell us what it is that they see that's standing in the way of our happiness, our destiny, Mm -hmm. our health. (laughs) Um, you know, whatever it is. And so dangerous only in the sense that, um, you know, every healing experience feels like it's dangerous.
0: That's true because in in healing, there's always something that's got to, um, in other words, if you're having any kind of crisis emotionally or physically, there's something that has to be released or let go of Right,
1: correct. Was, I mean, well, quite, that's quite literally, there's something that needs to be lost,
2: let go of. Right. Or of die. Exactly. Die. And it's
1: very scary for people to realize that, but that is deep. And that's why you and I can talk about that. So, yeah. um listen that's that what was
0: transform transformation is all about letting everything isn't working die so that the real true person is born. Correct. Excellent. We've got about ninety seconds left. Do you want to say what uh the websites again?
1: Sure, you can get in touch with me at drcraig.com. That's spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R-C-R-A-I-G.com. My name is Dr. Craig Martin. I'm an astrologer in Los Angeles, so it's easy to find me on search engines. title of my book is Elemental Love Styles, and you can get that all over. And, Lois, thank you so much for having me on this morning.
0: Thank you for being with us. This has been absolutely delightful. So, thank you. Bye-bye.
1: You're welcome. Have a great day.
0: You too.